Well, we turn in the Heidelberg Catechism today to Lord's Day 38 as we continue our mini-series before the end of the year in uh, the Ten Commandments and in holiness, what it means to walk in holiness before the Lord. And today we arrive at the fourth commandment, and uh, we confess about this commandment in question and answer 103. Let's read this responsibly. What is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? First, that the gospel ministry and schools for it be maintained, and that, especially on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to the Lord publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways, Let the Lord work in me through his spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help. Almighty and everlasting God, our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that we are sinners, conceived and born in sin, unable of ourselves to do any good. But we do repent of our sins and seek your grace to help us in our remaining weaknesses. Through the teaching of your word, which we confess with the church throughout the ages, satisfy our hunger and quench our thirst with your refreshing truth, that we with all our hearts may love and serve you with our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the one and only true God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In this series in the Ten Commandments from our catechism, we've learned that these commandments are divided into two tables. Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ summarizes, further summarizes these ten by saying, love the Lord your God on one hand and love your neighbor as yourself on the other hand. And we recognize, therefore, that this first table of the law includes commandments one through four. So in particular, commandments one through four have to do with our duties toward God in loving him, in worshiping him, and so forth. And today we're on that final commandment from that first table. So the fourth commandment, which is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It goes on to command us to pause from our ordinary works, and it reminds us that God himself rested on the seventh day of creation. Now there is... So much to say about this topic. We've already begun to speak about it a little bit in previous months. And so today we're going to try our best to keep it very basic. And uh, in particular to recognize what the Sabbath is grounded in. And then two ways to apply it. The ground of the Sabbath and two ways to apply it. The first is that ground. What is the ground of the observance of the Sabbath in this life? And that ground is eternal rest eternal rest in other words we we have the concept of sabbath here on earth because of something heavenly and eternal that it points to it's in the last couple of words of our catechism's answer where it says and so begin in this life the eternal sabbath so there are actions that we do here on earth to observe it but it is pointing us to something that is beyond ourselves, an eternal Sabbath. And this is what we participate in when we remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
We are participating in that eternal rest. Our reading in Genesis showed us the beginnings of this. God created humankind in his image and likeness on the sixth day. But then, of course, on the seventh day, God ceases from his own work and he rests. There is an evening and a morning to the first six days. But there is no evening and morning to that seventh day. It is an ongoing day. It, uh, it continues everlastingly within God himself. And uh, we, we have to recognize then that something is going on there when God says that he rested that is different than our rest. God doesn't need to actually rest. He, he doesn't need to sleep. He does not get fatigued. That first Sabbath of creation was actually a marker for human beings. So God made the Sabbath for man, as Jesus says. He made the Sabbath for man. Um, it's like a signpost for the, the first human beings and for us. A signpost that points beyond themselves and their everyday labor to a rest that is in God. It is in the heavens. It's an eternal rest. So God put in place this pattern. If God himself has worked... For six days and then rested. Therefore, then, humankind is to work for six days and then find rest. Now, the consequences of this would have been that if Adam and Eve had worked righteously and obeyed God's law for those six days, we're talking a little thematically here, uh, if they'd obeyed, then they would have entered into that eternal rest by works. And we remember our covenant theology here. Adam and Eve were in a covenant of works. If Adam had obeyed, he would have entered that eternal rest by his works. But they did not do this. They fell into sin, and so they did not enter that Sabbath rest, but instead became sinners. And with this new status in the world also comes toil and sin. It is not now the case that we are, as Adam and Eve would have been in their state of innocence, workers that are free from the toil. But now we work and there's sweat on our brows and it is hard to bring forth goodness from the earth and so forth. All the things that are bound up in the curses of Genesis chapter 3. So rest now has obstacles to it, both rest in this life and there is that great obstacle for mankind to enter into the rest of the eternal Sabbath. Okay, that's what the first Adam did. He was given this calling. He was given a, a, uh, a marker beyond himself. God has worked and rested. Now you work and you may rest. But Adam did not do it. There is, therefore, by necessity, another Adam. Whom Paul calls the last Adam. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And our Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished what Adam failed to do. Now, that's, uh, that's something that we're, we're used to hearing as believers. But he's done it also with regard to the Sabbath. He did the work that the Father gave him to do. He has perfectly obeyed the Father. This is why Jesus says on the night before his crucifixion, he says in his prayer to the Father, all the work which you've gone, you have given to me, I have accomplished. It's done. 
He's obeyed the Father. He's offered himself as a sacrifice for sin. And he has been raised. And having done this work on our behalf, he has also ascended into heaven. And he has therefore entered into that eternal rest himself. That's the prize for the second Adam. That's why we know, we have an idea of what would have happened to that first Adam. It's because the second and the last Adam did it truly. He did the work of obedience. And he has entered into that glorious eternal Sabbath. That Sabbath is the end goal of all creation. That's why it's at the end of the creation week. And it is why there is no evening or morning attached to it. It is that eternal day that we too enter into through Jesus Christ. That world where perfect rest reigns. There is no sin where Christ dwells. There is no toil where Christ dwells. There is no fatigue. There's no disorder or death. There's no more illness. There are no more pandemics. There's nothing that gets in the way of us doing a good job with our work. Everything that we feel in this life that is constantly burdening us, that makes what should be satisfying work feel more like toil, all the way until finally we're dead. Those things are removed where Christ reigns. He's entered into that seventh day, the, the eternal Sabbath. And this is the rest that Hebrews chapter 4 speaks of when it says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's a promise for you, dear brothers and sisters. There is a Sabbath rest that remains for the people of God. Therefore, there is a Sabbath rest for you. You will finally lay down all of those burdens where all of the weapons of the world will be beaten into plowshares and into instruments for cultivation and where this world will pass away and the kingdom and all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. That eternal rest is the ground for our celebrating the Sabbath. Now, there are two applications of this. And the first, our catechism points out, is a particular day of rest. Because Jesus Christ has earned rest for his people, we now begin to participate in that rest by faith in him. He is renewing you by the Holy Spirit. You have this union with Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is in the heavens where the Sabbath is happening eternally, then you get a taste of it by faith in him. Uh, And uh, the first way to apply this then is through a day of rest. As the catechism says, that the gospel ministry and schools for it be maintained and that especially on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to the Lord publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. these, These aren't arbitrary things. These are things given to us because of God's word and for the sake of God's word, because it is in these very things that we receive God's word. We hear what he has to say. We participate in the sacraments and so forth. Now, what we find in the New Testament is an overwhelming amount of evidence that the festive day of rest has transitioned 
from the seventh day in the Old Covenant to the first day now in the New Covenant. The fourth commandment still binds us to obedience to our Savior, but the particular day has transitioned now with the coming and the work of Jesus Christ. We read in Luke chapter 24 that our our Lord Jesus Christ was resting in the tomb as the Sabbath was, was approaching and when the Sabbath came. There his body lay resting in the tomb. But he was raised on the first day. A new beginning. A new creation. In the first creation, rest comes only after the end, only after you've toiled. But in the new creation, rest comes on the first day. Because God's grace has been poured out on sinners that we might now do our work from a posture of rest. We still do have those six days that come each week. But we come now resting in Jesus Christ. And we do our work from that posture instead. Jesus was raised on that first day. The significance of this new day is found in several places. We read also in in Acts chapter 20 that it was on the first day of the week that the church gathered for preaching and sacraments, which I take the breaking of the bread there in, in Acts 20 in that, in that direction. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, Paul tells them to take up a collection on the first day of every week. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, the apostle John that says that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. This is the day now that the Lord has made for us to enter into that Sabbath rest through our praise through the exalting of the Lord Jesus Christ in our praise, our worship, and through hearing him speak through his word. And when we look further into what exactly was going on at these Lord's Day gatherings in the New Testament, we see the very things that our catechism lists. The maintaining of gospel ministry. You know, it's not just Paul doing it all, but he is training pastors. He's telling pastors to appoint elders to bring order and structure and pastoral care to the people of God, to maintain the gospel ministry, to hear God's word preached, sacraments, public prayer, offerings for the poor. That's what the people of God have always done on God's festive day of rest. Because those things, when we celebrate them, are meant to bring rest internally. Uh, Not only internally, but primarily internally. And the reason why is because these are the very ways that Christians participate in that eternal Sabbath, even while we remain in this present evil age. With its afflictions and its hardships, we get a taste of heaven. We hear God's word, which comes down to us from heaven, and we remember that we will one day rest forever. So loved ones in Christ, every Lord's Day is meant to be a substantial taste of that rest that is to come. It is not meant to be this terrible burden on our shoulders. It is a matter of obedience. That's certainly the case. But John tells us that uh, it it is now, his commandments are not burdensome to us. Um, His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So take this wonderful burden upon your shoulders to obey the fourth commandment and come with that, that deep recognition and assumption that to participate in these things on each Lord's Day will bring you rest from on high. There's a second application, though. Not only is there a particular day each week that the Lord graciously gives us to find rest in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
But there's also a life of rest. Your whole life is meant to be one of observance to the Sabbath. The Catechism says uh, that every day of my life, I rest from my evil ways and let the Lord work through me, work in me through his spirit. That is daily spiritual rest by the spirit's power. Uh, You are united to Jesus Christ, as we've seen in just just previous questions, not not too many Lord's Days ago. You are united to Christ, and and Jesus, who is redeeming you by his blood, is also renewing you by his Holy Spirit, so that the old self is gone and dead, and the new self is alive. Now then, what this new life looks like in obedience to the Sabbath— is putting your sins to death. That's what a life that is firmly resting in Christ now begins to look like. It bears the fruit of righteousness and holiness because we say, I'm resting from my evil ways. I will cease from those things, certainly on the Lord's Lord's day, but every day of my life, I will put those things to bed. And one day we'll put them to bed forever when our Savior comes. And uh, we enter into that eternal day for all eternity. Now, you are a worker in this life. You still have that vocation upon you. You you are called to work. That is true. But you are not to be a worker of sin and of unrighteousness. You may offer yourself in that direction. You may may use uh, all your faculties to do the work of unrighteousness. But we are to cease from that daily by remembering in those times of temptation that sin only brings more toil. You know, we give in to temptation because we think we're going to find rest in it. Because it seems so good in the moment. But actually, it's going to make things worse. It will heap up further burdens upon your shoulders. It will cause more toil in your life. Sin only disturbs the soul and it disrupts fellowship with Christ. So, in obedience to the command, we rest from our evil ways. This daily killing of sin is participation in the eternal Sabbath. And it is so because in the new heavens and the new earth, where our rest will be endless, there's not only no more toil, but there's no more sin. It will be completely done away with. And therefore, we must strive to enter that rest by hating our sin and more and more running away from it, as the Catechism teaches. Brothers and sisters, this is the rest which our Lord Jesus Christ has won for you. He's won it. It is the great prize for the second Adam doing the work. He's won it, and he gives it to you by faith in him. He has done what Adam failed to do. He has done that work. He has earned the rest. And now through him, you too may find rest. A weekly day of rest, to mark it in a particular way, and daily rest by putting your sins to death, by resting from your wickedness. May all our Sabbath observances grant us these truly amazing spiritual blessings. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful Father, we give you thanks for having established your covenant 
with believers and their children. For as you have told us, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. This promise you have not only signified and sealed by holy baptism, but daily proved by perfecting your praise through the mouths of children, and so putting to shame the wise and the understanding of this world. Would you please continue to establish your saints in this faith throughout their lives and give us the grace to inwardly digest this food which you have given to us and to instruct our children in your knowledge and fear until they've reached complete maturity. All of this we ask in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll turn with me in your order.